This is Catherine's story. Welcome back to the Six Feet Above podcast. I am joined today by Catherine Lazar. Mm -hmm. And the last time we chatted, you were Kat Acra. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so it's been a minute. Yes, I'm back and it's a different version of me it's now. It's a different version of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so grateful that you are willing and able to chat about what we're going to talk about today. And I just want to put a little trigger warning, warning out there for anyone that's dealt with the death of a child, the death of a baby, because we are going to be talking about all the things. And I've never... I don't have kids. I've never been pregnant. I don't know this field. So I am heavily relying on you to help us and help me. And I just want to say thank you for being so open. I saw a little bit of your story on Instagram and um, Kat and I go way back several years. Uh, We met in the local community, like through fitness and you actually interviewed me for a job several years ago because you have a recruiting company, correct? Mm-hmm, so that's what you do full-time. So let's mm-hmm. start there. What yeah. are you doing full-time? So how I make a living <laughs> is, um, well, I've, I've been in the fitness industry probably 15 years now, started as a trainer, yeah. um, moved to Atlanta actually in 2013 to work with Orange Theory, opened up five of them and kind of moved on to being like talent developer, left, went and opened up my own fitness studio. Um, so I've held a lot of roles in the fitness space and one of the biggest one was trying to find talent. So a couple of years ago, I just kind of decided to retire as a fitness coach, which I actually retired right before COVID, which was crazy. I had no idea it was coming. Smart. Yeah. Right. I know. (laughs) Looking back, like how did I know? Right. Like February of 2020, I sent my resignation in and that was it. I retired. I hung up the mic as I call it. Um, and started my own kind of concierge style recruiting company for the fitness industry. So I work for headquarters such is F45, D1 Training. I've worked for Orange Theory groups. I've worked for Club Pilates, things like that. They just kind of tap me to help me place their talent. Okay. So that's kind of what I do on the daily. I source talent around the country, help them find multi-unit regional managers, directors, operations, things like that. So you work from home? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Good Which for has you. been really helpful right. in the past few months. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Are you, where are you originally from? Fort Lauderdale, Florida. What'd you move to Atlanta for? <laughs> um, needed a change yeah. of scenery yeah. and my sister lived here okay. and we were very close. So I moved here and I was working kind of through Orange Theory at home and they were opening here and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I bought a one-way ticket, came up and yeah. just never left. So yeah. fitness has always been a part of your life. Were you an athlete growing up? Or dancer. Oh, okay. Professional. Well, wow. I was a trained dancer, ballerina, and then I went into professional dancing and well, college, I was a dancer at the University of Florida for the men's basketball team yeah. called the Dazzlers. <laughs> and then after that, I didn't want to hang it up yet. So I auditioned for the Miami Heat okay. basketball, was a yep. Miami Heat dancer for two years. That got me into really working out. We had trainers and they yeah. were legit like body fat testing every week, like oh things like that. I mean, now you can't do that, right, but, right. <laughs> but like it was legit back then. And then that got me an agent and I went to LA for a little while and just did my thing. I was in wow. movies and music videos and just had some fun. Were you really? Yeah. Wait, was I was cool. in LA. Well, I think you're younger than I am, but I was in LA for seven years. Uh, definitely not in the dancing world, but in the fitness world. Where did you live? Um, I lived in the Valley and then I moved over to the West side for a year and then I moved back to the Valley. But I originally, so I'm a TV and film major. I moved out there to be an actress. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm wondering if we were there at the same time. I was then, like, like oh, ended God. up in Atlanta. I was like, oh, 
eight? Yeah, I was there, I think 2006. It was 2006 to 2013. No mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yes, I was years, there. I had an 20s. agent, everything. I yeah. did commercials and stuff. Like, wow. Were you in acting school? Yes, I took acting classes, but I really found, so I did a lot of um, stand-in work. Mm. So I, I kind of, my, my big break, not really at all, <laughs> but how I got my union card was I was a stand-in on the movie Hancock for Charlize Theron because she's like 5'9", which I'm six feet, but yeah. she was wearing boots in the movie. And I worked, long story short, I worked um, for like two nights as background and they noticed how tall I was because it was like this, the dinner scene where everyone was dressed up and I had heels on and the AD came up to me and like, we're shooting the shit about how tall I was. And I'm like, well, if you ever need a tall actress, you let me know. And they called me two weeks later because her stand-in got sick or something happened to her. And they're like, Hey, we need somebody that's about five eleven, six feet because Charlize is wearing boots for all of these scenes. And so oh, wow. I got my SAG card and like awesome. then they hired me to be like Jane Lynch, Jean Smart, Rebecca Romaine. So I kind of like made a name for myself in the stand-in world. That's like never a legit like, gig. Yeah, yeah. But never like the acting world. You no, know? but yeah, but like you have to stand there while they're yes. setting the light yeah. and getting the camera yeah. and yeah. staging and like, wow, you had yeah. a big job pretty much. I'm sure it was. Yeah. yeah. LA so, was interesting back. Like, I don't know. Was. I kind of was like over it at some point. Same. Yeah. I like, I think. I hit 30 and I'm like, okay, I'm done here. Yeah. You know, I'm good. Um, and then I moved to Atlanta. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> but yeah, so for me, like fitness has always been a part of my life, but because, you know, dancer, athlete, like growing up like that, I just feel like it's a natural transition for people because there's discipline involved. There's mm-hmm. discipline involved when you're a fitness instructor. We're up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. We're working, you know, it's like that five to nine shift where you're teaching early mornings, teaching late nights, trying to get your own stuff in midday. Mm-hmm. It's a grind. Yeah. It's a grind. So do you miss that world at all? The fitness world? Yeah. No. I was going to say, uh-uh. I feel like recruiting is where it's at. I mean, honestly, what I do miss, though, is that adrenaline rush yeah. from being on a mic yes. and dropping that beat and yes. these people are sweating and they they high five you and you know that you made them better leaving yeah. than when they walked in, feeling better than when they walked in. And that was so rewarding. Yeah. That was the best part. Yeah. But 4 a.m. wake up, like, or 3.30 a.m. to oh. open up a studio at 4, no thank you. The worst. I lost my voice, too. Like, oh, so I had I. to go on vocal rest for a long yeah. time. It's massive on your vocal cords. Yeah, I was in speech therapy for eight weeks yeah. when I was at Flywheel. Cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like, oh, just take my paycheck. Just yeah. pay that person to Whoops. make me able to talk again. Um, so, okay, so obviously you've been in Atlanta now for how many years? Mm, going to be nine. Yeah. And when did you meet Michael? Michael's your husband. Michael, uh, he's here. He's um, here. We met. This is my first time we've had an, had an audience. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> He's my support guide right Aww. now. Um, yeah, no, but he. We met three years ago here, good old Did fashioned you? way. Yeah, at a bar. So there's hope. There is there's hope for me. <laughs> there is, and here's what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. He's way younger than me. Okay. <laughs> so there's that, and um, he was very intentional when he first walked up to me, and it was really? something about the way that he approached yeah. and talked to me, and the yeah. way that he handled the conversation. That was really mature. And I also went against everything in me that mm. said no. <laughs> really? And I said, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. I'm not gonna ask too many questions. I yeah. have no and I have no intentions. I'm just gonna see where this goes. I feel like we're very similar because we've talked several times, you know, through the recruiting and fitness world. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm very attracted to confident men. And there's a there's mm-hmm. like this fine line between confidence and cockiness. Yes. So when somebody can approach you, right? You're a strong personality, just like me. Like, 
We know who we are. We're powerful women. We don't put up with bullshit. Mm -hmm. So when there's a guy that can kind of match that and Mm -hmm. like not challenge us, but really approach us in that way, it's like, okay, you've got my attention. Absolutely. So did you guys head it off right away? Or? It's inc- it's insane kind of what happened. I was at um, <laughs> I was at like Irby's Tavern, which oh, used God. to be me hands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My girlfriend dragged me at 930 in the morning on a Sunday. Oh my God. To watch the Women's World Cup soccer game. Okay. Okay. And I was like, fine, I'll do it for you. We went to Fado, which I couldn't, we couldn't even get in the front door. And I was like, I don't need this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what we did the night before. Um, and then um I'm sitting there and he, after I think he had a couple rounds of mimosas with his guy friends, <laughs> they were on their way to the United game. And on the way out, he came right up to my table and I was sitting at a high top. I'm 5'1". He's like 6'4". So he had Wait, no idea. girls like you are the ones he, that I, I can't stand. I'm so no, sorry. I'm, I'm swimming in your pool. I know, I know. And um, he, he came up and just was very intentional and looked me right in my eyes and said, um, I'd hate myself if I didn't say hi to you. If I left before saying hi to you, I'd like to get to know you better. Can can I have your number and take you out? Wow. And I was like, absolutely. But the thing is, I already saw him walk in. So I'd already noted that he, he was, was on your radar. Room. He was on my radar. Yeah. And um, I was feeling myself that day, though. Were I gotta you? tell you, I was new, fresh hair. At 9.30 on a Sunday, Fresh cut. I didn't give a shit about any. I was <laughs> like, I had a new gig. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy my day here. Yeah. No yeah. longer worry about it. Yeah. And it was it must have been some sort of vibe, honestly. Well, you're, you said you had a new gig. So, like, things were good yeah, in your life, right? Really when good. you're, like, vibe, I don't know how – I'm a big believer in, like, energy. And when you're vibrating at a high frequency and you're, you're feeling good about yourself, you're feeling confident, like, you attract that. Exactly. You know? So, when yeah. you're in a funk and you're down, it's very hard to attract the right person in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, it sounds like – for you, things were going yeah. well. You met this guy, so you you went on a couple dates or what? Yeah, we we dated for a few months, and it happened real quick. COVID happened, so yeah. we ended up moving in together because it just made sense. His lease, I think, was up in like really really beginning of COVID. Yeah, and we just kind of were like, all right, let's just see if this works. And then right. next thing we know, here we are, three years later. It just happened really fast. Wow, but we've had quite quite a year, and uh-huh. not exactly what you expect to do in right. three years right, of right, a relationship. Right, right, right. But yeah. yeah. Did you get married here or back We did. Home? Yeah, we did. We got married here. Okay. Yeah, Christ the King. Ooh, What's up, Monsignor I, Frank? <laughs> I love that church. It's so pretty. So pretty. So pretty. It was tiny, though. We had a small yeah. chapel yeah. wedding. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I think he also was vibing. Like, he timing's everything for totally. people. Mm-hmm. And he was coming off of a good point in his life. He'd just been traveling internationally, and he was feeling confident that day, and he knew what he wanted. Yeah. And I think that's the key. I yes. knew... I may not have pinpointed exactly what I wanted, but I knew what I didn't want. Right. And I had kind of figured that out and knew I wasn't going to put up with anything that that was undeserving on my part anymore. Yeah. yeah. So I knew what I wanted. He seemed intentional with what mm-hmm. he was saying and doing. And that's kind of where I'm I'm at, especially being in the fitness industry and working with so many people and just kind of realizing that communication get misconstrued so many times. Yes. And so intentional communication was really what I was looking for. And he was looking for that as well. Somebody yeah. confident to make him a better person. I wanted someone to help me be a better person or want to be a better person because I know this person. And it just kind of matched up. I love that. And who knew? It's not something I plan. You just, I'm, I'm done planning. Right. I'm done planning. Right. You can't plan. Well, especially now at this point in your yeah. life, after everything that's happened, it's like, all right, God or universe or whoever you believe in, like, take the wheel, you know? Megan, that is like, that is, that is just the biggest topic of mm. conversation right now, now that I'm in this new kind of reality. Mm. And uh, it's been really interesting journey over the last few months 
trying to stop being that person who was manifesting life right. and putting it into the universe right. and only good things and good vibes only. And if I pray hard enough or if I do this or do that, I'll get the outcome right. that I want. And we're fitness professionals. If yes. you eat clean and yes. you work out and you do this and that, science. you're going to science. Correct. Cause and effect. You're yep. going to see the results. Yep. Yep. So it's been really kind of jarring to realize that's kind of not how it works. Well, it's also going against everything you've mm -hmm. practiced and believed in, right? Yeah, big time. So had you guys talked about having kids before you got married? Mm -hmm. Obviously, yeah. most married people do, right? Mm -hmm. So you had planned on this. Yeah. Um, did you get pregnant easily? Yeah, yeah. It was a happy little accident. Yeah. <laughs> happy little, which is crazy because it's not that easy to yeah. get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we did and... We were our first child for yep. both of us, mm -hmm. ecstatic. How old are you? 39. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you're 38 when you got pregnant, mm -hmm. correct? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, had done that freezing and. Me too. I, yeah. I just got the bill for this year. Cool. It always yeah. makes me sad. I'm it's like, the worst. Oh, here we are again. <laughs> My God. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Did you have to use, well, I guess let's just go into that. Why Did not? you have to use an egg? For what? For did you did you get pregnant naturally? I got pregnant naturally. Okay, so you, yeah, your eggs I, are frozen, but you I haven't had to use them. them as like an insurance policy. Me too. At yeah, like thirty five. Yeah, like right when they're like, yeah, oh. I did it thirty six. Yeah. yeah, they're like, here's the cutoff. Do you want to do it? Pretty like, much. Yeah, here's here's twenty grand. Go ahead. Yeah, here, take it. all my money, yeah. freeze my eggs. Are they my eggs? Where are they <laughs> even? I don't know. Right, like, right, 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 right. But yeah, I did that. So. I had it in my mind that it was going to happen someday yeah. and we had just started dating. And so I was like, okay, just going to buy some time. Sure. Um, but yeah, we naturally got pregnant. Okay. Yeah. And what were you feeling fine? Like what was your pregnancy like? My pregnancy was actually quite, quite easy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing, you know, I'll do air quotes yeah. on that. I was not considered high risk, even though I was over 35, right. which was surprising. Right. I was at one of the biggest practices here in Atlanta connected to Northside Hospital, which yeah. is number two for baby births in the U.S. Okay. So they know what they're doing. So okay. I had a pretty easy pregnancy. Um, what was weird for me as a fitness professional was just kind of my body not becoming my own yeah. anymore. <laughs> Like yeah. I knew my abs were going and I couldn't eat certain things and I couldn't work out hard anymore. My heart rate couldn't go up anymore. Just, but that was okay. I was willing to sacrifice that, you know, for the pregnancy, but it was a little bit of a very different reality, you know, right. switching to watching right. your body completely transform. But it was an easy pregnancy. Um, um, my son's name is Brody. He, he loved strawberries and we had our rituals and like, you know, every morning have, you know, some cereal and he loved it and he'd flip around and- mm. As my belly started to expand, you know, I would massage with oils and just mm -hmm. kind of get in touch with them. I did stretching all the time to open up my hips mm -hmm. and went to chiropractor to make sure that my back was in line and just making sure the baby was safe. Sure. Everything I ate and drank was clean. All yeah. my, no toxins in my house. I, no detergents or clean cleansers. Jeez. My makeup was different. My hair, everything. I just changed all my products laid off any toxic nail polish. I did everything that I could. Did you do that out of fear because you were older or just because you want no. to give this baby the best possible chance because when they come to this world, good Lord knows what's happening. Like, you know what I mean? I was, I guess you could say fearful, but I was worried about any abnormalities mm. or anything harming the baby's growth or anything harming the baby externally. Okay. I was already on, I was already pretty clean and, and careful about yeah. labels and things yeah. like that because as a fitness professional, you know, want to make sure you're not consuming poor, like things yeah. that make yeah. you feel bad. Um, but then I took it up a notch just to make sure he was safe. Sure. 
Um, my age was never really an issue. They never brought it up in my I was gonna say, appointment. Like, if we still lived in LA, it wouldn't even be a conversation Mm-mm. until you're like 44, honestly. It really wasn't yeah. one, I'm gonna be honest, Megan. Yeah. Like, and they never once even noted that yeah. I was older. Yeah. So for you, it was just like, let me give this baby the best possible, uh-huh. you know, chance mm-hmm. and make sure it's as healthy as I can possibly yeah. make it while it, I have full control, right? Quote unquote, while, while I it's in my body. You think you have control. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, so you're doing all the things, you're feeling good. Mm-hmm. And then what's like, I guess just if you're ready, kind of lead us into yeah. the story. So Brody was super active in mm-hmm. my belly, um, flipping around all the time, mainly at night. I knew how to get him to move. It was sweets or, like I said, fruit or something. But then there was a day where um, I noticed that he had stopped moving. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of miscommunication out there. So I have a lot of information like that. And I have I know now that I didn't know then. Okay. Again, I was never considered high risk. And I was never even told in any of my appointments. And I know this is a consensus because – I've had so many conversations with hundreds of women who sure. have had stillbirths. Nobody has that conversation. Yeah. And I'll circle back to the education part. But basically, I woke up one morning and I said, something's not right. So I called my doctor's office and they said, you need to come in. Um, what I thought was them just checking, because at this time, I was around 30, 36 and a half, 37 weeks. So you're like, if we I'm go, done. we go. I'm term, right? Yeah, I'm term. They actually say at 32, congratulations, you made it if you oh, give wow. birth now. 32. If you give birth now, he'll survive, okay, most okay. likely. So I was not thinking anything. And there's like a lot of apps out there. I was following an app and like it popped up that morning. Congrats, you're this, you're this amount of weeks and right. baby's not going to punch and kick anymore. He's just going to roll because he's oh, running out of space. I see, I see. So at my 36-week appointment, I went in and – I saw him on the ultrasound. They did one really quickly because it looked like my belly was not entirely as big and my okay. blood pressure was going up. So they were like a little worried. And they said mm. they were going to induce me at 38 weeks because my blood pressure kept going up. So 36 weeks, great. Two, three days later, I don't feel him moving as much anymore. Is this in the morning? It's in the morning. Okay. And I couldn't get him to move. I couldn't – anything I ate, I couldn't get him to move. And I remember the night – I woke up and I was like, he's not moving. And so I got up the next morning and I was like, I got to go in. Um, And then they proceeded to put me on an NST, which is like a non-stress test. It's a belt that goes around your belly to monitor the heartbeat. Okay. Um, They were claiming that the machine was broken because they couldn't find the heartbeat. So these two little techs are running around saying, we hear yours, but we can't hear his. Um, And this is probably the part where I, we all, as lost moms, we call us, have a problem telling this part. Um, so my brain is not thinking at any point that something, that he's dead. Mm. So Michael drops me off at the front because of COVID policy. They wouldn't let him in. I was going to say, is this still when he couldn't go yeah, in? It was ridiculous. I've had, we'll talk about that. But um, he drops me off because I'm not thinking much of it. He's, he waited for me in the parking lot. Um, and then they put me in the ultrasound room and they put me up on the table. And the text says, what are you doing back here? I just saw you three days ago. And... Um, she um, puts the ultrasound and he comes up on the screen, but he's not moving and she's looking and she's looking and I'm just kind of staring at her. And she basically says the words that none of us want to hear is, I'm so sorry, Catherine, there's no heartbeat. And uh, <laughs> and um, I've done a lot of work on this, but it's still hard um, <laughs> Yeah, because not knowing that was a possible outcome, especially somebody who 
was doing everything that she possibly could. Um, and then I, ins I proceeded to, I would say, flip out. I was screaming and clawing. They had to bring nurses in to hold me down. They had to call him to come up to kind of tell him the news. A midwife came in and looked at me and was like, I'm so sorry, he's gone. And my immediate reaction, Megan, was, oh my God, I killed him. Like, what did I do? Oh. What did I do? Like, how did this happen? I'm, I have a huge belly. He's ready to come like in a couple weeks, you know? And, he and was, to tell and, me he's and, like, dead. He's just alive yesterday, right? Like you, that Pretty has much. to be like. So what happens after that is just kind of crazy. And they leave us alone for a minute and I'm screaming at him. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I killed our baby. I'm so sorry. Meaning because I had no idea what this meant. Mm. They walk you down the hallway into an office. Meanwhile, I've left my body completely. I've gone traumatized and I'm right. sure you've had right, conversations right, 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 right. like this. Yeah. I've left my body. Yeah. I'm numb. I'm not even crying anymore. Yeah. I don't even know how to breathe anymore. Right, and I'm right. sitting in this office and she's like, you have to give birth now. What? So we need to wait for a oh. bed. Wait till we call you. So basically we did, we went home. At this point, I'm, I call my sister, I call my So mom. they let you leave? Yeah. We had to go home and pack our bags. And this was not the hospital bag that you pack when you're having a living baby. So I didn't really know what to do. Um, and my mom and my sister came over and they helped pack my bag. And I just kind of sat there. I don't even remember. I don't even remember right. how eight hours went right, by. Right, right. We get to the hospital and they put me in bed and they they continued to start to induce me. So I went through full-blown epidural and labor, nine pushes. He came out. Um, and the only difference between that birth and anybody with a living child is he came, he came out quiet mm -hmm. with his eyes closed, mm -hmm. no crying. Mm -hmm. And then we had to leave the hospital without him. <sighs> and that is just like the craziest experience. And what happens is they don't tell you anything. So I unfortunately went into something called DIC and I hemorrhaged and whatever. That's another story. And I ended up in the ICU right after birth. Jesus. And they, the doctors came to visit and they were basically just like, this is a freak accident. This happens. It's like getting struck by lightning. This never happens. It's nothing you did, but you can try again in about three months. And I was like, excuse me? That's, that's literally what they say mm -hmm. to you? Like mm -hmm. that's not even on... And I'm looking at them and I'm like, you guys need to tell me what happened. Right. And it seemed as if I was having an out of body. Why was nobody trying to tell me why he's dead? He was seemingly perfect. So is there any... Do they have anybody that deals with like trauma, like trying to comfort you? Either? Great question. So there's something at Northside Hospital. It's called Heartstrings. And I and I talk about this a lot on even my own podcast. And they're kind of our charity of choice right now. They do, they're kind of bereavement care okay. for anybody who has infant loss as sure. well as sure. pregnancy loss. And they do their best. So what happens after you can stay with the baby as long as you like. They're in the room with you. And they, they kind of push you to take photos, like take mm. pictures with your baby, um, take, take, bathe them, change them, swaddle them. And at the time, I'm freaking out. I don't right. know what is going on. So I, I kind of didn't really know what to do. So kind of a twist of fate, when my sister found out that this happened to me, she contacted a friend of hers who she knew it had happened to 15 years ago. Okay. And that woman was like, get the pictures, hold the baby, really? sing to the baby, do everything you can and spend time with the baby. I know I could see your face, which is so crazy because if you would have told me this before, right. I would have been like, absolutely not. Well, it's not even that there's like zero judgment. It's more like, yeah. I don't know if I could physically do that. Exactly. 
I don't know if I'm, a lot of mothers do it choose not to, and it's probably their biggest regret. And I ended up holding him, and I looked at his little face, and I named him. We named him right there, and he got a baptism. Oh. And our priest came, like we we handled it as if he were alive. Mm. And I still barely remember it, but that is the biggest advice that I would give to anybody who finds themselves in this unfortunate situation: is to treat it as if they were alive. Because when you leave, you don't get any more photos. You don't get to hold them ever again. So while your friends are bringing home living babies and they have, you know, six month milestone and they crawl and then yeah. you don't get that. Right. You get the only pictures that you had in there. So this heartstrings group comes in. They're a bunch of nurses. Their department is bereavement care. And every hospital should have one. I know yeah. Piedmont has one as well, but here in Atlanta, Northside has heartstrings. Um, they come in and they take the photos. They okay. offer a chaplain. Got it. They kind of stand by you and say, I'm so sorry. But the unfortunate thing with, with that is they aren't lost moms. So mm. they they were doing their absolute best, but I still had no idea what was going on. Right, right. Um, so Wait, you can leave I and ask then, the dumbest question? Sure, yeah. Why do they make you give birth? Why don't they do a C-section? Oh, you, I mean, C-sections are very traumatic to recover from. Yes. Okay. But I also feel like giving birth to a stillborn is very traumatic. Like I don't, I, again, this is a very naive question, but like what's, I can't imagine either one. Right. So, so here's my answer to that. What happens is you try to separate. Nobody wants a C-section right, to be honest. Right. Like they're, they're, they take all your organs out yeah. and they take the baby out and then they stitch you up and you can't move for like six months. Okay. And then you can't have another baby for a while because you have to, your uterus has right, to right, stitch right, up. Right, right. I have not had one, so I'm not speaking from experience, but I'm saying from what I've heard, C-sections are pretty rough. Yeah. Um, now some people I do know had a still, a C-section stillbirth because, that, because they, they had, had no to. other option. Right, right, right. Of course. So to me. But that's not the go-to. That's not the op. That's a lot of us. Yeah. Most people choose mm -hmm. to actually vaginally have it. The your recovery is a little faster, but also this is going to sound extremely strange to people who have not been in this situation, yeah. but the, my hopes to talking to your audience is that there are mothers out there who have had mi middle to late term pregnancy loss and they've had to give birth, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, it was the single most horrific slash beautiful mm -hmm. moment of my life. Yeah. So his death was horrible. His right, birth right, right, was beautiful. Right, right. Wow. I felt him. I pushed him out. And I held him. And I don't know if I'll ever get to do that again. I don't right, know. Right. But it was my son's birth. Yeah. So while he died on, you know, January 17th, 2022, he was born on January 18th, 2022. And I will talk about why that's so different okay. and where okay. we're at now. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, pregnancy loss, one in four is a miscarriage. Mm. One in 160 is a stillbirth. Wow. So it's a lot. It's a 23,000 a year in the US. It's like basically if a 747 airplane dropped out of the sky every week for a year. That's wow. how many that's how many babies are dead. 62 a day. Wow. It's it's a big number and we're not talking about it. And so for someone like me, you know, the question is did we want someone to say the word stillborn and this is how because I know now after right. so much research what Happened. contributes to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if they had told us in the conversation in the meet in the in the appointments, would that have scared the crap out of me? Yeah, but I would rather that than just be completely blindsided right. and not have been working with a full deck of right. cards and not knowing. Like, hey, prepare me. Prepare me. Yeah, right, that this right, is right, a potential right. outcome. Yeah, one in one sixty is a big number. I think there's five a month at Northside Hospital. Oh I mean, my God. there was one on my same floor stillborn. Jeez. So 
And it's not, and I'm like the example of who you don't expect it to happen right. to. Right. Healthy, active, doing everything you possibly can. Right. Everything. And the one thing you, the one thing, anything else could have gone wrong. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Could have been whatever. <laughs> the one thing that just ends it all is the one thing that happened to you. So yeah, there's so many, obviously so many emotions, so many things in, and you being able to, you, we were talking about one of your nurses that mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that she was the reason that your family mm-hmm. was allowed to come in. Yeah. Well, I don't think we can get her in trouble now, but, uh, I think she was like known for being gangster <laughs> nurse. Yeah. Um, I they had that. a ton of COVID policies, yeah. which my experiences with that in the hospital was a little interesting, but right. she one by one got my family in. Wow. So my mother, my sister and my mother were actually in the room during the birth his Michael's parents were able to come and hold the baby. Um, my dad came. Um, they got to meet Brody, um, which was really special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was real. Well, it was I feel real. like you've been you're robbed of so much, right? You're mm-hmm. robbed of an entire life. So don't rob me of one day. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, they're they're quite tough. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but. Yeah, they got him in for the baptism and everything, and th- those are just moments that you can't get back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, where? What, what's where do you go from there? You stay Great in question. the hospital. So I ended up staying in the hospital. We did. He stayed with me the whole time for a couple of days. Yeah, recovering from I had like some I had hemorrhage and had sure, like blood transfusion. Yeah. So anybody who has had a DIC, um, where your blood stops coagulating, yep. um, it's typical. It's it's. I wouldn't. I don't want to say typical, but it happens with stillbirths. Okay. Because of the lack of blood flow to the fetus, kind of builds up in the placenta, and there's okay. kind of issues there. But I had pretty pretty rough surgery and had to stay there for a few days. Um, my blood pressure was also skyrocketing. I went to pre, I went into preeclampsia, right. which is super high blood pressure after birth. They wanted to make sure it came down. I ended up getting discharged, and then you know what's crazy is they're asking you right after birth, like, what do you want to do with your baby's body? Um, so we had to decide right then and there autopsy to find out what happened right, to him. Right, right. If it was anything genetic, we want to know what we're dealing with for the future. Right. And a lot of mothers don't do the autopsy. I think that it's actually quite a horrific thought, yeah. but it was more of like, I need to know what happened right. to my baby. Right. Um, and the placenta, they, they get a placenta pathology and then the funeral home comes and picks them up. They go to the little morgue and they, the funeral home picks them up and all of this we're trying to figure out while we're there. Mm-hmm. We really don't know what to decide to do. You have to make that decision really quickly. Um, it's quite, it's, it's quite a cluster. Yeah. I, I can't even yeah. explain it. And then they discharge you and you just go home. You go home and try to figure out what it looks like now. Jeez. Yeah. While we were there. So I had a baby shower two days before Ugh. and we did, we had a joint one. So we had the grandparents go and break down the nursery, take the crib out, take the bassinet out. Cause we were all set up. Yeah. Um, and take, you know, put all the, the gifts and the toys away where we couldn't see them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, you just go home and you try to figure it out. Wow. Um, I'm so sorry that, I mean, uh, there's obviously nothing to say, right? Yeah. Like how do you, my story kind of has taken a little bit of a, I proactively embraced my grief, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, in the first couple of weeks, it's not, it's not pretty. It's, it's yeah, exactly say, what you, you would imagine. That, like breakdown, oh, yeah. that like poor me, that like, that, that just, it was not even of, poor me, but just like completely defeated sort of feeling. Yeah. It was anger. Yeah. It felt like a failure. You had, there's a bit of shame and sure, embarrassment. Sure, sure, sure. Um, we, we didn't know. We didn't know anybody who had gone through this. So right. 
there is a huge amount of confusion. Mm. Meanwhile, postpartum. Right. The milk is still there. My body thinks I have a baby, so it's waking up throughout the night to feed, but there's no baby. My brain knows he's not there. It's it's horrifying. It's horrifying. And every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, you still have a belly. It's right. just gone. And right. it's over. It's over. Like I even, even during delivery, I didn't want to push. I didn't right. want it to be over. Right. Um, and what ends up happening is you kind of just figure out how to survive every minute of every day. Yeah. There's days you don't want to get out of bed because I'm not a mother. Mm. I mean, I'm mother, I am a mother, but my baby's in heaven. Right. He's not here on right. earth. What does that look like? When you plan your whole life for a child, sure. now, our year was mapped out. My career, my my work was mapped out. Like we had everything ready for him. The images you have of them playing little league and right. the first birthday parties and the holidays and like yeah. this will be Christmas without our nine and ten month old. You know, nine or ten month old. So it was kind of in the very beginning stages. You just are in what I call the trenches. Mm. You don't know what's happening. What I did, I was kind of in the same mentality. I think I've always been is I have a problem. How am I going to fix this? Right, How right. am I going to try to feel better? Yeah. So I reached out to any and every single, we call ourselves lost moms, mm-hmm. mothers who have, ba- whose babies who have, have died, um, whether it's pregnancy, stillbirth, or uh, infant loss. Okay. I reached out to as many as I could and I got them on the phone. Like right away? Right away. Wow. And they are what saved me. I created a community and then I met them in person. How did you find them? Social media? <laughs> Social media, yeah, pretty much. Say, I mean, through Yeah, through people. I All we did was we said to – we had like a meal train. People yeah, were sending two yeah. weeks worth of food every night, and it was wonderful. We had a wonderful support system, um, and our phones were ringing off the hook, and I barely remember anything. And I was still trying to work because it was my outlet. Right, but, right. But the it's it, the grief and the pain and the sorrow is excruciating. Yeah. It, you almost feel like it could kill you. It's yeah. the most unbelievable feeling, and I never truly understood it until now. Um, so I actively tried to figure out how I'm going to maneuver this life now. Yeah. And the lost mom conversation saved my life. Mm. Um, and I mean that truly. So what ended up happening was I ended up just going to those conversations to, so I didn't feel alone. So I didn't feel weird. Yeah. So I, I didn't know if I was even grieving right. 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 I didn't know if like, oh my God, I smiled. Is that okay? Like, yeah. am I cheating? Yeah. Am I, is that wrong for my baby? Right. Like, right. How do I honor him? When he's not here, you know, he has a name. He has a death certificate. He lived and now he's gone. So right. it's like, how do I do that? How, right. So, and is it weird that I have his urn and I put pictures around it? Like, what is going on here? So, um, it's probably nice to have someone tell you there's nothing weird exactly. because there's nothing wrong or exactly. right. Like, however you have to get through mm-hmm. it is how you have to get through it. Exactly. Like literally zero judgment from anybody unless you've been through it. And even then you can't judge because you're not in somebody's shoes. It's exactly. So just having somebody literally say to you, you can smile, you can cry, you can do whatever the hell you need to do to get through today. Yeah. Honestly. That's literally it. Just get through today. Yeah. Get through it. Yeah. And I had a, one of my friends, she lives here in Atlanta. She I said, I literally said, when am I going to, when am I going to be able to come up for air? I texted mm. her one day. I just remember sitting in the passenger seat of my mom's car. My head was on like the wa- the window and I was like in sweats and I just was like, who am I? Yeah. I was like a shell of a person. Yeah. And she said 10 to 12 weeks. And like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, you're speaking my language. Right. 
You're right. giving me a timeline. Right. Like how many push-ups do I need to do? Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> how many calories do I need to eat to get shredded by spring break? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but that's how your brain works. hundred percent. So you need somebody to talk to you yes. that way. And that worked for me. Yes. And, and again, I'm not here to speak on how everyone should handle the loss of their baby. Right. right. But this is what worked for me. Right. And now I've created a community where we are now just lifting each other up saying, you're not weird and mm. you can grieve however you need to grieve. Yeah. Nobody can tell you. And society's really uncomfortable by this topic. You know, your grandma dies. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, right, hey, here's right, some flowers. Right, right, I'll take right. you out. Your baby dies, change of subject. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to look at you. Right. It's too dark for them. Right. Um, and it was such a weird, it was weird navigating that. You find yeah. yourself apologizing for making people uncomfortable. And then next thing you know, it's like, I can't do that forever. This is my story. This right. is my baby. And the more that you, the more that you kind of push that aside, mm-hmm. it's always going to be there. So whether you yeah. deal with it in a year, five years, 10 years, it's going to fester mm-hmm. in your body. I mean, it's the same thing with any mental struggle or trauma. If you don't deal with it, it's always there. It is so accurate. It is. And that's a, the, the biggest reason I've created this platform is because, and again, everyone, it's, it's in everybody's own timing. If people aren't ready to talk about it right away, whatever they've gone through, that's their journey and their story. But eventually when people are ready to talk about it, I'm like, please share your story because you're going to help so many more people. Mm -hmm. And I talk about suicide because I was there and I wish I had somebody to listen to, to be like, you're not crazy for wanting to literally leave this earth when Mm -hmm. you're 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So it's like death is, it's a part of life, unfortunately. Right. And it's just a matter of how many days we're here on earth and not to discredit like what you went through or, or are still going through, but I think that you being able to talk about it so early on, mm-hmm. um, doesn't it feel super healing? Like, could you imagine not talking about it for a year and just sitting in that grief and sitting in that kind of that guilt? And then, you know, you have to live that way for a full year. And again, somebody may not be ready, but for you to be able to push through and reach out and talk about it pretty quickly, mm-hmm. do you feel like that's helped you? start the healing process. Yeah. And that, that word healing has been really an interesting one now because again, fitness, yeah. you get an injury, right. you heal right. it. Right. You right. right. may not be a hundred percent though ever yeah. again, and you will never be a hundred percent after the healing of a loss. Yeah. So, but when I say healing, when I say, and a lot of people in my community don't like that word, they say they'll never heal. Yeah. They'll never be healed. I needed to ease my soul and my heart. Mm. I couldn't live a life every single day dark. Right. I couldn't, what kind of mother would I be? How can I represent my child, my baby and honor him being a miserable soul, yeah. a miserable person who never laughed again, who never saw light again, who never had any fun, who wasn't in love with their husband, right. who wasn't right. a good sister, friend, daughter, who, you know, what kind of life is that right. that I would leave that I would, cause I'm stuck here, yeah. you know, for the, till I see him again. Yeah. So, yeah. so I made that decision that to smile, to laugh wasn't dishonoring dis- him. Right. It was honoring him. Right. My love for him is not in the amount of tears that I shed. And that's like, so, that's so, I know that's like super like, <laughs> put that on a t-shirt or a pillow, but, and I laugh a lot and, yeah. like, and I have dark yeah. humor when it yeah. comes to this stuff, because if we don't, we will cry. So my choice after loss was to find out how I can see the light again mm. and continue to go and honor him and make it a good life. Mm-hmm 
so I can continue talking about him. In the meantime, I was that girl who really wanted answers. Mm -hmm. So I talked to, I don't know, 12 different doctors I went to. I got a million tests. I researched everything and I have answers to why he died. And now I can share that information with others who are in the dark. And even to more on that, being an advocate for right. yourself, right? saying no to things that you don't feel are right, saying this is my body and this is how, what I think is happening and standing up to sometimes medical professionals or people that you don't feel right. are contributing to what you need. And that's kind of where I'm where I decided to do. So did you co- ever get an answer? I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, after several doctors took a look at his tests, yeah. I, f- I was not okay with what they were saying. He said he was perfect. And I said, it doesn't make sense. Help- right, perfect babies right, don't die. Right. So I ended up finding a specialist at Yale University. His name is Dr. Kleiman. I have a lot of this information on, um, on my personal pages as well, if anybody wants to look into this. But um, he analyzed the placenta mm. and said that it was small. And this is a huge problem for babies right now. Um, Placenta is the lifeline of the baby. Sure. Consider it the roots of the tree. Right. It gets all the nutrients, the oxygen, and the blood flow to the infant, to the the fetus, through the umbilical cord. Did I know all this before? No. (laughs) Now I do. I have an MD in this shit. So what happened is his was small. And that's by no fault of anybody. Right. It happens at implantation. The way it is. So I would say probably. Correct. No, but you can monitor it. I see. So measuring, it's called EPV, estimated placental volume. Okay. Is a measurement that not all doctors do. Mostly high-risk doctors will do it. We do not have that in basic prenatal care. We don't have it. It's not an option. So what happens is when they measure the placenta and they see the volume of it, in relation to the baby's size, they can see if it's not working properly. Okay. At around, I would say the third trimester is when the baby kind of stops growing when it comes to the small placenta. Mm. The reason why Brody was not looked at as small was because they changed his due date at around 10 weeks. They moved it from February 2nd to February 10th, which 11 days is a really big jump. That is a whole week. And I know for somebody who has not carried, I didn't know this either, babies grow like half a pound a week. And when you get to the very end, once they hit 37, they're cooked and they can come out. He was already cooked, but he was small. So he was not perfect for 36 weeks. He was small for 38, if that makes any sense. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they missed his growth restriction, which was a big unfortunate thing. I had hypertension. My blood pressure was going up unexplained because of the the small placenta, Mm. because it was working overtime. But they never investigated that. So it's like the placenta is small, but it's trying to keep up with the growth of the baby. Correct. Which puts more stress on Mm -hmm. you as well. Yes. So all these things are happening at yes. the same time. And a lot of things can go wrong when the placenta is small. Now, Brody, unfortunately, would probably have made it to 38 weeks. He had a cord accident. Uh, so he compressed his own cord and it cut off his oxygen. Uh, this is very kind of, it happens a lot with small placenta as well. There hasn't been any tests to prove that there's a correlation. But this has happened with a lot of women that I know who have gotten their placentas investigated and saw the pictures and there's definitely restriction of blood flow. Now, some doctors will argue with that and say that it's the placenta that ran out. It's like your car running out of gas. Um, And so that was another problem. On top of that, I was diagnosed after with a blood disorder, a genetic blood disorder that makes me four times higher for clots. But it's it's a disorder that causes clots that kill babies because it blocks the flow of the placenta. Why is that blood not being taken 
tested before the death. Mm. So there's a lot of questions. So right. one, I think 25% of all stillbirths are preventable. So not only are you 10160, but I'm one out of those four, out of four that like basically could have been prevented. <sighs> so finding all that out was pretty maddening. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Right, so yeah. not on top of your grief and your sorrow, you have to ask yourself, how Pissed mad off. do I want to get? Right. And how right. who's and you want to point blame. Right. And and I could if I wanted to, I could absolutely spiral and, right. and do right. all these horrible and but like, all these what, horrible things. What good is that gonna do? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-mm. It doesn't, it won't bring yeah. them back. Yeah. What yeah. I can do is shed light though for anybody. Sure. You know, a lot of women have reached out during their pregnancy saying, What should I be looking for? How do I prevent this from happening? This, the fact of the matter is, and I don't say any of this to scare anybody. Yeah. I, I say this. Well, actually, I take that back. Yes, you should be scared to tell. It's yeah. it's scary being pregnant, and it's not all that casual. So well, if it's you the, feel you're not getting proper attention, say something. Well, and also, I think before getting the proper attention, educating yourself what the proper attention <laughs> should be. I mean, it's nowhere even on ACOG. Like, it's the American Council of right. Oncology. It's like not even. We just trust professionals. Exactly. And, and, you know, yeah. to, to each their own. I'm not saying like, they're all bad. No. Correct. But it's at a certain point, we need to take responsibility for our own health. And like, yes, you need to do the correct research, right? You're not going to mm-hmm. go and Google all these random no. things. Yeah. But I think there should be obviously people like you that are, that are talking about this. I mean, this is going to be huge for years and years to come Yeah. because Hey, like now hearing your story, somebody can be like, okay, maybe I should ask about this, or maybe I should ask about the placenta or the volume or whatever. And people, mm-hmm. Doctors may be, might be like, oh, you don't even know what you're talking about. But if they're not going to listen to you, go to a different doctor. Exactly. Go to a different doctor. That's exactly right. Like, there's yeah. so, you're not going to run Especially out of if you've had a loss. Like, right. you need to go to a doctor right. that's going right. to right. help you, especially mentally and emotionally, too. So, have you kind of closed the chapter accepting what has happened to him? Or is that still open? Is it still like, you know, you have an answer, correct? Mm-hmm. Like you're okay with that answer. You've accepted it. Not that you're okay. Like, okay, I, I forgive everybody for not doing their job, but you're at peace with what has happened. I think that's an excellent question because I think I even said to him, should I like two days ago, like, should I go meet with the doctor? I mm. saw at my 36 week and tell her what happened. And he's basically like, like, no. So if I live, when I'm at my worst when I say in my griefy yeah, days, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's when I spiral to what happened. Mm. The night that I figured something might be wrong, the drive to the hospital, you know, like right. when I think back to what I didn't say at the appointment, what they didn't say to me, you know, what I should have said at the appointment, what I should have done, the, the shooting all over myself, right. I, I, I spiral and I get really, really bad. Yeah. So what ends up happening, I think for me, is I may not accept the reason that he's gone, but I have accepted that he's gone. Okay. And now I'm trying to move forward carrying grief. Right. Grief will not go away. No, you said it too. No. Where, there's, where there's love, there's grief. Mm-hmm. I will love him forever. Therefore, I will grieve him forever. Yeah. I will carry the grief with me. What happens with grief is that it is excruciating and extremely heavy in the beginning. You don't know how to carry it. With time, and not that time heals all wounds, right, it right. just gives you the opportunity to have more experiences and to process how to carry your grief as you go. Yeah. You learn how to carry it. It, it. And I saw something crazy the other day and it was like, befriend your grief. And I was like, I finally realized what that meant. I'm not going to get rid of it. Right. I can't even try. Right, right. I've been to therapy. I've done ART. I've done counseling. I've done talk. I've done everything. Yeah. It's not going to go away. It's going to be yeah. waiting for me when I walk out the door. What does my life look like now as a griever, as a lost mom, as a bereaved parent, as a, as a mother to an angel? Yeah. 
And I just decided to just figure out how to carry it. Some days it's really heavy. Some moments it's heavy. But most of the time I'm able to navigate with it. Sure. And will it forever, will it be gone one day forever? No, but it'll look different as time goes on. And I've had conversations with women three weeks out from loss in 15 years out, in 40 years out. And there's still a little piece of them that grieves their baby. Yeah. 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 I remember this has nothing to do with infant loss or child loss or whatever, but I remember um, my uncle died at 50. Mm. And I remember watching my grandfather get out of the van to walk into the church and we thought he had a heart attack. He just fell and he started choking and he was spitting up blood. And I remember my grandmother said, you should never have to bury a child. Mm -hmm. And that like, no matter how old you are, no matter how young your child is, it's the, it's the wrong order, right? So you're never, that's always going to be there until the day that you die. It's always going to be in the front of your, your brain. But on this 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 platform that we talk about trauma and and real life things that um, are hard to talk about, I always say people have two options. You know, you always have two options in life when shit happens to you, and you either move forward as a miserable human being, as a poor me mentality, as X, Y, and Z. And if you're gonna live until you're ninety. That sucks. For the rest of your life, you're going to live that way. That sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm so sad for you because I lived that way for 16 years of my life and I finally made the decision, no more. Mm-hmm. I'm either going to kill myself and just get out of here or I need to live this way. And it, yeah. it, I, like, I'm like, i so impressed because um, it's still very early in your mm-hmm. grieving process. It hasn't even been a year that you're moving in this direction and, and you've made the choice not to say that you don't have these bad days but you've made the choice mm-hmm. and trying to create these daily habits where you can make a difference right. and you can move forward and you can still be happy and grieve at the same Absolutely. time. It's called the and life. Right. Yeah. Wait, wait, that say that and life. And it's called the and life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at what point were you like, you know what? Yes, you're, you're talking about, uh, you're talking to your lost moms and it's probably more of a private thing. Yeah. At what point were you like, I want to talk about this publicly. Well, what's crazy is I probably was the most private person you've ever met. Like nobody knew if I had any personal issues. Mm-hmm. I was professional all the time, especially, you know, I owned a studio yeah, here in yeah, Atlanta. You yeah. can't really spill your guts, right, everybody. Right, right, right. And on social media, everyone was will exp- spill your guts for you. <laughs> exactly. But, you know. So I I just uh, <laughs> good time. Yeah, um yeah. so I just decided that being so private, it was it was something that I knew people were going to find out. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to take control of the narrative. Mm. I wanted to take control of my own story. Sure, sure. So what I ended up doing was saying to my friends here in town, are you guys cool with recording these conversations? Yeah. Because whenever I was having a bad day, I called one of them. I met up for a drink. I, you know, texted them. I Googled, like I looked up social media and I watched things here and there. But I found that grief podcasts and grief messages were a lot of dark. There was Mm. a lot of, hey, this sucks, period. When I was like, hey, this sucks, this is what you can do to help make it better. This is what I was looking for. And especially the lost mom space, very dark. And you said it exactly right. You have a choice Mm -hmm. to either wallow and make the loss your identity Mm -hmm. and make your grief your identity. And that's not what I wanted to do. So I needed to figure out how to still be me, the new 2.0, the Kat Lazar, the Catherine Lazar. And what does that look like? 
in dealing with my trauma. Yeah. Because it's trauma. And I had trauma yeah. brain. I had fog. It's a whole science. Grief brain is like a massive thing. And yeah. hence your, you know, your, your was your grandfather like, yeah. at the funeral. Like yeah. it's a physical reaction. Yeah. So and I also gravitated towards people who were funny, like yeah. in their grief, like, right, like right, joked right. about it. Like, what'd you guys do today? Oh, I downward spiraled and I cried hysterically in the nursery. <laughs> but what do you guys, what'd you guys do? You know? And it's like, oh, cool. Me yeah, too. You yeah. know? So then I just asked if we could record it. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, totally. And I was like, okay. So what I did was just, I got a little studio and I, it was just this conversation like yeah, this. It was yeah. just, just talk. And I wanted to give them a chance to talk about their babies because when they're dead, you don't really get to talk about right. them. And they wanted to tell their story. Right. And each one of them had a cause of death. Each one of them had a way of grieving. Mm. Each one of them had, you know, different points in the pregnancy, what happened and their experiences. So I was like, if I feel better listening to these conversations, sure. maybe someone else can. So I did like three of them and I just... I threw them up yeah. and uh, yeah. put them on every platform. And the next thing I know, my Instagram's ticking up yeah. and I'm like, oh no. Like as far, as much as I'm like, wow, people are listening. Did it make you nervous a little bit? Yeah, because for the first time in my life, I was unedited. Mm. Mm. Unedited. Unscripted too, Letting right? it unscripted, like, yeah. let yeah. it fly. You know, even my dad's listening. I'm dropping F-bombs sure. and he's just, you know, he's like, yeah. okay, do what you gotta do. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> your baby died. I get a pass. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're free, a free pass. Um, so yeah, and then next thing I know, thousands of downloads. Yeah. And I'm just like, at one part of me, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm helping people. And then on the other side, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many right. of us. So yeah, I, I started having conversations with just lost moms. Yeah. Then I in, involved the support person. My sister was my support person and she did an episode because you know, as far as trauma and grief go and a loss goes, it ripple affects to everybody mm -hmm. that you're close with mm -hmm. and nobody knows how to deal mm -hmm. and there's no playbook there either. So right. I put her on and Michael, obviously my husband went on and as the lost dad with his experience, because as the dad, you don't bond with the child for nine right. months. Right. You meet them right there. And then to have to say goodbye at the right, same time right. is like really interesting dynamic. So yeah, I put it up. It's called At a Total Loss. I had no idea because grief left me at a total loss for words. People yeah. were saying weird things. People were sending weird things. I had no idea how to talk to anybody. Nobody really understood the magnitude. I felt like I was on an island by myself. Yeah. And I was just at a total loss for words. So I called it that and I threw it up there. And I've made some incredible connections in the space. Yeah with professionals even and therapists and helped a lot of women strictly say, I feel so much better knowing I'm not alone. Yeah. Because I'm not going to fix them. Yeah. Right. We can't be fixed. Right. Right. I'm not going to say, everything happens for a reason. Or, God had a plan. <laughs> or your baby died. He wasn't supposed to be here. Like, like you no can't cliches. say that shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're fumbling through life. Yeah. And, I, and they just, I just wanted them to know they're not, they're not alone. We yeah. do weird things and we say weird things. And it's this community of women that, and parents even, and men, and it's like, we're just weird. So it's at a loss. At a total loss. At a total loss. Are you on Spotify, mm -hmm. Apple, all the podcasting sites? Okay, so go listen. Um, your Instagram, what's your handle? The Catherine Lazar. The Catherine Lazar. I'll tag everything in yeah. the description, but I just want to make sure we got that out so that people could like go listen. No, I appreciate that. Out. Yeah. And I'm sorry um, if you listen and you need to listen because that means you know what this feels like, but mm. I'm just here to help. And you, anybody can DM me. I answer my DMs. Yeah. And yeah. As long as you're not a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some fake lost moms. It's been the <gasps> craziest thing. What? It even, yeah. Who does that? Good question. I need to call the cops. That's disgusting. <laughs> Like that's, that makes me sick. It's wild. Okay. So where do you go from here? Do you even, I don't want to be insensitive, but you, do you, I'm sure you've thought about it. 
Do you think about having another kid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, pregnancy after loss, PAL, PAL yeah. is okay. what we call it. Pregnancy after loss is quite possibly one of the hardest things that people can do apparently after a loss because okay. the level of you're naive, you're being naive to the fact that bad things can happen is gone. Right. So whenever someone says, oh, I'm pregnant, I'm due. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> With that, because that doesn't mean shit until the baby's here. And sorry, but that's what right. happens. But, you know, and that's your reality. That's just my right? reality, that's and reality. that's all of our reality. Right. And I and I do my best to be like, you know, I'm so happy for right. you, but do me a favor yeah. and just call me if you have any questions. Yeah. So and God bless. And, yeah. and so it's like, um, yes, we want to have children. I think almost immediately. It's so crazy because. One of the, if you ever, if you guys follow me on my Instagram, you'll see I posted something and it was like the weird things that lost moms do. And one of them is asking when we can try again within minutes after giving birth to a stillborn. It's the craziest mental. It's like your body just doesn't have a baby in their arms. Like you, you're longing. It's like feels like something's missing. And the connection to the babies is is still there, right. but the baby's not here. Right, right, right. So yeah, we want to have children. Um, to be honest, Megan, it's like one of those things where. You truly think that you've seen the worst of the worst, yeah. but I'm very aware that we might not have. Right, I don't know. Right, right. It could get. It could be worse, but I'm I not think sure. The, could it be worse? <laughs> I don't like. I uh, almost think there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, I hope. Do you I know mean, what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I'm one. I'm at. I'm one out of one sixty. They this tell me twice. I don't. You know what I mean? Like that. Extreme cases, yes. If you haven't, I think diagnosed what the cause was. So, okay. So that's So now it's intense now monitoring. Know. Okay. Okay. I've already picked out doctors. Yeah. You yeah. know. So you're preparing. Preparing. Yeah. Okay. Because it'll be intensive monitoring. Yeah. Um, and I haven't even said fetal movements are so massive. And we didn't know that. Fetal movements, the baby doesn't slow down. The baby will continuously have characteristics of, and if they stop having characteristics of their movements, sure. something might be sure. wrong. Yeah. And don't have the doctor say, oh, you're fine, go home. Kick down the door and say, no, I'm sitting here until you monitor them. Right, right. Um, so monitoring the movement tremendously, double week appointments, you know, things like that. Um, Measuring the sure. placenta. Measuring the damn placenta. Jeez, that seems which like we such are now, a basic thing, right? We're, we're actually, the Shine for Autumn Act, and if anybody has questions about this, I can I can let them know. The Shine for Autumn Act is, is a bill that's trying to get passed that is going to improve the education for medical professionals and also improve the testing done for prenatal, basic prenatal care. Okay. And that will include measuring the placenta. Um, and this is a massive thing that we're trying to do right now. We met with John Ossoff's office trying to get wow. him to co-sponsor. Um, we have a lot of pretty much, I would say senators, yeah. I would say, or people, yeah. members of, you know, Congress and things like that are trying to get this pushed so we can, we can have the money to have re more research and th because the number's going to go up, especially since COVID. Jeez. Yeah. So it's something that needs to happen. And if it's not happening, I highly recommend just asking if your healthcare professional or your medical professional will do this for yeah. you. Insurance is an issue. So ask questions about that. It may have to be out of pocket. If it's additional testing, it's something that you have to consider if you really want to do that. Um, but just ask as many questions as you can. Yeah. And don't say, don't take no for an answer if they deny you what you're looking for. <sighs> Yeah. Well, he, you are like a plethora of information. It's um, insane. I, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it also, I feel like you can find purpose in grief, right? Yeah. yeah I think, I mean, I'm trying, I am like, yeah. this is your, this is your purpose now is, is to share your story and yeah. hopefully help somebody else so they don't have to go through this. Yeah. Right. A lot of, there's a lot of healthy babies out there. Yeah. I, mean, I know. Yeah. 
a lot of women had no troubles at all. Sure. Most of them around me did not have any troubles. And so some people are like, oh, that'll never happen, you know. And that's okay. It may not it may not happen. Obviously, right. I pray to God right. it doesn't happen right. to you. But I guarantee you, you might know someone that it does happen right. to. Right. It's 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 inevitable. And one out of every four pregnancies, like I said, are a miscarriage. So yeah. and whether it's early or if it's late, it's still a loss. It's still a loss. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. Thank you for being so open. I think I actually would love to do a part two with you. Totes. Um, just because we're right at the hour mark. <laughs> but um, yeah, a little bit more on like what happens like on the, the, the aftermath and your, and your body and all like just kind of diving in even further now that we've told the story leading up to it. I mean, there, I feel like there's so much more. Yeah, we could I'd talk love to about. tell you. Yeah, the different types um, of medicines and yeah. procedures and things I've worked on. And now on, that you know. I know... Every, you know, now that I have the the bigger background, like going through your page, it will, because to me, I've, I've never been through it, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of it, I don't understand. Yeah. But now like starting to understand it, I think it would be interesting to do a part two. And you're also going to get a lot of feedback from this mm-hmm. and maybe like getting some questions. We can, I'd we love can that. bring those yeah. questions in and make it a little bit more interactive. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. think that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be great. <laughs> fun. Sorry. It's, I don't know. Hey, no. Well, I mean, you say fun. <laughs> I mean, I love talking about my baby. Yeah. And if I yeah. think about how he would be, he would be like, mom, let's have a good time. Quit right. crying. You're embarrassing right. me. Right, right, right. He'd be a little ball buster. Right. And so I love talking about him and the tears are just strictly because I love him so much and it's been hard. But I'm here to answer any questions. I'm an open book. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So there's a ton of information out there right now. There's walks going on. There's a lot of information as far as charities and bereavement care as well as prevention and advocacy. So on both sides of it. So I'd love to talk to you again What's about the, the prevention. What's the for for the information yeah. about information about October the month of October what's the I month would say the best again? one to go to is pushpregnancy.com okay. pushpregnancy.com is a great one for information on that if you want to talk about if you want to read about the placenta measuretheplacenta.org countthekicks.org and tommys.com I think .org I'm not sure I'll let you know but it's um in the UK they okay. do that as well yeah. okay I just want to make sure yeah. that we have resources and obviously like you said you're an open book Please reach out to Catherine. Um, reach out to myself if you need to, yeah. and we'll, I'll put you in touch with her. And just thank you so much for being so vulnerable and so open, and to Michael as well, because obviously, you know, yeah, he's fifty percent of the equation over here, right? <laughs> yeah, at this point, it might even be more. I'm like struggling over here, but thank you for having me. You're welcome, and having me talk about this. It's an unfortunate conversation and a little dark, but. It's something that I think that can shed some light and maybe give some people some hope if they're going through something that there is light at the end of the tunnel sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. The biggest compliment I ever receive is when you like the episode, you share it with your friends and your family or a stranger that is in need of hearing this information and from these beautiful guests. And then also to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I would also love to hear from you. So if you would like, you can DM me at six feet above podcast on Instagram, or send me an email six feet above podcast at gmail.com. So that's six, the number six feet above podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, your suggestions, and also any guests that you would love to hear from in the future. Thanks for listening.